Really excited to begin the first year of Project Lakota Terra and look forward to syncing myself to, and together with you, joining together with uh, the, the listeners in learning Terra and Lakota Terra together. Today's year is on Daf Chav Zayin of Terra'er. We'll begin at the beginning of the Mimer, which is on Daf Chavov, the beginning of Parashas Vayeshev. And today's here is Le'ili Nishmas Gershon Yitzchaki. The Pasuk says at the beginning of Parashas Vayeshev that Vayeshev Yaakov Beretz Mugari Aviv Beretz Canaan, that Yaakov lived in the land of the dwelling of his father, in the land of Canaan. Now, the Pasuk seems repetitive. It already says that Yaakov lived in the same place as his father. And then it continues in the, in the land of Canaan. We know that Yitzhak was living in Canaan. He never left Canaan, which is what Eretz Yisrael was called at that time throughout his life. So we need to understand that uh, repetition and what the Pasuk is coming to tell us spiritually. Now, there's a... To help us understand this, as a passage which says, "As Halech l'pnei Hashem, Baratis Achayim," we say in Halel that I'll walk before Hashem in the lands of life, and it's in plural. The passage says, "In the lands in, of life," meaning that there are two lands. There are two ways to walk before Hashem in the lands of life. Two different lands. What are these? To understand this, we first have to consider a more general question. Why is Eretz Yisrael re- referred to so often as Canaan? That's the most common name that it's called in the Torah. Now, this seems to be a negative name, a negative association that we should try to limit because Canaan was the son of Ham. Ham was one of the three sons of Noach, and he was the son who was cursed. He was cursed because Canaan, the fourth son of Ham, uh, was uh, disrespectful to Noach. And uh, when Noah was drunk after the flood, and why should we refer to Eretz Yisrael by this name Canaan? That seems to be a negative name and, and not respectful towards Eretz Yisrael. We also know that Canaan, besides being a nation, it, it also refers to uh, pe- uh, business people, and in particular, uh, people who do business perhaps in a uh, in not in the most uh, honest way. And referring to Eretz Yisrael and Canaan as Canaan is also therefore a negative, uh, has a negative uh, connotation. Like the Pasuk says, Canaan biyode mirma, that a trafficker, Canaan means a trafficker, like a, a, a businessman who's uh, somewhat uh, not fully honest who has deceitful scales in his hands. So again, a negative connotation. What does this all mean? We, there's another passage that says, that there will, when Mashiach comes, there will no longer be a Kanani, again, a trafficker, there will no longer be a trafficker in the base of Megdash. So again, it sounds some, like something negative. Why are we uh, referring to Eretzestra with that name? So now we know that every character in the Torah has his identity as he is in this physical world, but then has a spiritual identity. And 
in that spiritual place. He has a positive identity as well. For example, Lavan, Esav, the uh, the uh, butcher and the um, butler in, in the stories of Yosef and Parai, they all have a spiritual counter, counterpart. And similarly, we, there must be a spiritual counterpart for Cham and for Canaan as well. Now, Noach had three sons, and they correspond to the three main uh, colors. There are seven shades in a rainbow, but there are three main colors uh, that are white, red, and green. And uh, these lights, so they're, they're a refraction of spiritual light, of godly light, into the colors of Shem, Cham, and Yefes, corresponding to the white, uh, red, and green in the rainbow. But then when they descend all the way down to our physical world, it becomes something negative. And then we have Cham as a physical man who did bad things and fathered Canaan. So what does Canaan mean in, in a, his spiritual source? So Canaan mean, Kanani means also, uh, besides the nation of Canaan, it means a businessman, like we said. And uh, we also mentioned the passage before. That the, the Kanani is the trafficker who has, um, uh, has scales which are, which are uh, not honest and which are deceitful, meaning that the idea of the idea of every businessman is that they want to end up receiving more than they put in. So they might give some money in order to get back even more. And uh, that's the whole purpose that is willing to pay money right now in order to get more later and we also have to be uh, we also have to be a business person spiritually what does that mean that Yaakov was Yaakov was referred to as uh, someone who engaged somewhat in trickery it says that that your brother Esau's brother Yaakov came with trickery and took your blessings. Esav was the original one intended by Yitzhak to receive the blessings. And then Yaakov ended up receiving them. And Yitzhak said, oh, Yaakov managed to use trickery in order to, to gain the blessings. So what is the positive side of trickery? And, uh, and related to that, the positive side of this business, giving up now in order to get more later. So the Pasuk uh, says... That uh, when man dominates over man in a bad way. What does this pasuk mean? What it means is that the shechina uh, uh, comes down and encloses itself, itself in the physical world. And the goal of this is in order to refine the world and refine all the sparks of holiness and bring them back to their source. Like it says in Gemara, that the purpose of Golos, why are we in exile? In order to uh, gain converts. And this doesn't just mean physical, like the people, the people as converts, but whenever we take an aspect of the world and refine it and use it for holiness, we're gaining a convert, we're turning over a part of the physical world and making it holy. And eventually the goal is to... Uh, get rid of death, that Bilam Mavis, like the Apostle says, Bilam Mavis, that death should be eliminated. 
And like the Pasuk says, the spirit of impurity should be removed from the earth and Hashem's presence should be revealed. Hashem's presence will be revealed because we will see eye to eye with Hashem. So that's the goal. Hashem Shechina comes into the world so that we can then refine it. And the same way that it is in the world in general, it is also that way with each individual that the neshama, before it came down into this world, to, to enclose itself into a uh, body with a nevisha Bahamas, with an animal soul, was one with Hashem. And then it had, at that time, a burning love for Hashem and uh, a deep uh, awe, natural year of Hashem, and which that Ava and Yira connect to Kesef and Zav. Kesef is silver, Zav is gold. But Kesef also means yearning and desire, the, the, the yearning for Hashem, the desire for Hashem, which is love. And Zav, gold, refers to the uh, left. Like we can read the Pasuk of Zav, Mitzav um, and Yasa, that the Zahav, um, that gold comes from the north, with, which when you face east, north is left. And uh, so therefore left is connected with Gavura. It's the, the left side of the uh, spheres is the side of Gavura of severity. And therefore our spiritual silver is our spiritual love of Hashem. Our spiritual gold is our spiritual year, our reverence for Hashem, which the Neshama has, the soul has when it's above. But then it, the Neshama descends into this world, into a physical body, and then the love is no longer discernible. It's not felt the way it was before. And therefore the question becomes, why? Why did the soul have to descend into this physical world where it would become unaware of its uh, love and attachment with Hashem? But the reason is, like the Pasuk says, totally that the Torah of your mouth, the uh, guidance and Torah of your mouth is better than uh, thousands of pieces of gold and silver. Now, we can explain this Pasuk, to mean that Alfei, besides meaning thousands, it means means to, to learn and to teach, meaning there's an advantage over the Torah of your mouth in this world more than than um, the silver and gold which the neshama was uh, used to uh, limud means learn it also means what it was accustomed to and what the 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 gold and silver is the yira and ava the reverence and love that the neshama was accustomed to uh, in spiritual worlds before coming down descending into a body in this physical world. Now, the idea is that it, the, uh, we say in Pirkei Yavis, the Yavashah has p'tshuva, that it's better to have just a moment of re- returning to Hashem, of doing t'shuva in this world than the entire spiritual world. So that is because when a person in this physical world returns to Hashem, then that is much more powerful than the love that the Neshama had before it came into this world. So even though there's a temporary deficiency in the natural love and reverence that the Neshama had before, but ultimately there's an advantage 
on the inside. Uh, we're now on the top of Chavzayin. Now we have an advantage that the, the, the love has on the inner part of the heart uh, because now it's like a light that comes from darkness. To understand this, the Altrebah quotes a pasuk. It says, Ani rishin v'ani acharein, that I am first and I am last, and there's no God but me. What does this mean? It means that Hashem existed in the same way before the world was created and now without any change. Al Trevor brings more psukim and, and sources to support this. And the fact that this physical world and spiritual worlds have come into existence does not change Hashem in the slightest. Like it says in Zay, that uh, everything before Hashem is like nothing. So besides Hashem, meaning whatever is uh, declaring independence, declaring its own existence outside of Hashem in within time and place, is is uh, is is nothing. That ain't Elikim's lossy is there's no there's no God but Hashem. And like the like uh, it says on Mibalotecha, we say in Davening, that there's no king and redeemer but Hashem, meaning that whatever else exists exists from Hashem as king. We refer to Hashem as Mibalotecha There's no king but Hashem, meaning that whatever does exist, it's from uh, the sphere from the um, the uh, the trait, the attribute of kingship. We know in uh, Kabbalah and Hasidus that the last of the seven midot or the ten sfirot is Malchus, and Malchus is what gives space for the other, for another person, another existence. And that's where anything Mibalotai, anything besides Hashem comes from. It comes from Hashem being king, which is obviously on subjects who are outside of the king, that Hashem himself is totally beyond, and we no creation can grasp Hashem. Not in a way where Hashem fills uh, this space and, and we're able to fully grasp, but even in a way that Hashem surrounds the space and is and is beyond, but but still with some sort of connection. The only way to grasp Hashem is not intellectually, rather it's through love, through the feeling. Like it says, that from the depths we call out Hashem, that this, this uh, love comes from realizing that we have no chance of grasping Hashem and Hashem is totally beyond, even beyond the highest of the spirit, beyond Chachma, and therefore we have this great yearning to get out of the confines of our limited existence and uh, and to, to just return to our fa- our father, return to Hashem. That is on that feeling, and that yearning is only something the neshama experiences after it feels distant. But while the neshama is still feeling close, it doesn't have this same level of yearning to reconnect its source, and therefore. Through getting involved in this physical world, the neshama ends up with a greater feeling and a greater yearning for Hashem. And that is the business deal 
the Kanani aspect that the Nisham is doing, that it temporarily gives up on some Ava, but what ends up happening is through being in, involved in this physical world, it has a greater passion and greater yearning to come back to Hashem. Now, next paragraph, Hine Bizman. So now, at the time where the base of Mikdash existed, we were able to more easily experience revelation of Hashem, especially in the Kodesh Kadashim, the Holy of Holies in the base of Mikdash. And over there, everything, all existence was nullified before Hashem. There was only Hashem's will. But in the time of exile, we don't have that same level of godliness manifest and revealed. Like the Pasuk, so what should we do? Now we're far without a place to come to to reconnect and become close. So the Pasuk gives us a solution. It says, that you should seek out Hashem from there. And you'll find Hashem. What does it mean from there? Where is from there? So in general, Hasidus, when we say here, we mean somewhere which is close, where there's revelation of Hashem. Whereas when we say there, we mean something far, where Hashem's uh, light is not manifest. And uh, what, we, what we should reflect on is the fact that I'm so far and the fact that, the fact that I do not feel this sort of natural pull to only do what Hashem wants. So I'm in this place of independence, so to speak, and separation. So how do I still get my energy that everything that exists has to have its spiritual life force and energy in order to exist? It's still coming from Hashem. Like the Pasuk says, and we say this in Vayvarach David, that Hashem enlivens everything. But the, the fact that Hashem enlivens, enlivens us despite our separation and independence is due to Hashem's mercy. Hashem's erech apayim, that uh, he should enliven us despite us being distant. Now, Rabbi Akiva was, one, Rabbi Akiva was once uh, tr- uh, traveling with uh, some of his colleagues and they saw the uh, success of Rome and they were sad. Rabbi Kiva was happy and he said, if this is what's happening, if this is what's happening even to those who transgress Hashem's will, then how much more so, how great will the good be for those who follow Hashem, who are who live in accordance with Hashem's will. So this is what he meant, that if this is what happens to those who transgress Hashem's will, how much more so for those who do Hashem's will, that they that they are not receiving from Hashem, Hashem's light and Hashem's attention in a way of separation. Rather, they're receiving more directly from Hashem's rots and Hashem's uh, will without this uh, long descent, rather in a way of panimius, in a way, in an internal way. And that's like we spoke before, that when someone does pshuva, when someone in this physical world returns to Hashem, so then they connect in a way of pneumonia, in an internal way. This is what the Pesach means, that when we seek out Hashem with all our heart and all our soul, meaning that what we should aim for is to transform and to turn over our soul, uh, our heart from one side to another 
uh, that in, that uh, to use the darkness, use the separation, this uh, fact that uh, we don't have this natural affinity for the spiritual and the godly, use that to have an even more powerful yearning for that, for Hashem, that we should become disinterested and even disgusted by uh, physical pleasures and our whole, our whole interest and desire should be to cleave to Hashem. This is like the businessman who uh, spends money to make more. Like we said, that the neshama temporarily loses out on Avon but ends up with more love and fear of Hashem because of this yearning that comes from being in a distant place. And that's now an explanation. Now he understands uh, why Eretz Yisrael is called Eretz Canaan. It's a place where we use out the physical in order to develop a greater yearning for Hashem. This also explains the pasuk, the Cham who avi Canaan, Cham, what Cham was the father of Canaan. Now, this word Cham, one of the three sons of Noah, also comes from the word heat. And that's because we get more heat, more energy, more passion for Hashem through Canaan, through being involved in the physical world and then swapping that for spiritual love and fear of Hashem. But we can't come straight to love. We first have to start off with a basic Yerushalayim, a basic reverence of Hashem. And, and uh, that's uh, then we can come to the uh, level of Canaan where we swap our distance for Avanira, for love and reverence of Hashem. And uh, that is what the Pasuk means. We say in Ashrei that Hashem is close to all those who call out to him, to all those who call out to him with truth. This means that Hashem is close when we call out to Hashem in a genuine and true way. Because when someone's in trouble, like the Gemara says, that when the thief is concerned, he's worried he might get caught. So Ganva Pumachtarta The thief also davens Hashem and he says, Hashem, please help me to have a successful robbery. But the fact that he acknowledges Hashem doesn't affect his behavior and he still uh, stays as a robber. And actually he's asking for Hashem to help him with his robbery. So even if a person has Avon Yira, a person has passion for Hashem, during davening, it could dissipate without noticeable impact that the person is still doing the wrong things. That's because it only, this love and reverence was only something developed intellectually, but didn't permeate his heart. And it, therefore, we could say it wasn't MS, it wasn't the full truth. But when we call out Hashem with truth from the heart, then it has eternal impact. Next paragraph, the Hineik Siv, the second column of Chavzayim. Now, when Yitzchak noticed that uh, Yaakov is using a different voice, he has a different voice to Esav, Yitzchak was expecting Esav to come with a meal for Yitzchak, and then Yitzchak would bless him. Instead, Yaakov came, and uh, Yitzchak says, Hakal Yaakov, the 
voice is the voice of Yaakov, either the voice simply, or as Rashi says, the words, the way he spoke was like Yaakov would speak. Whereas uh, the Yodayim, the hands are the hands of Esav because Yaakov was wearing uh, something that made him feel, uh, feel very hairy. Now, the Pasuk uh, uses the word twice in a row, Kohl, the voice, the sound. But the first time it's spelt without a Vav, just Kuf Lamed, and the second time with a Vav. So the reason is, like the Zaya says, that the first, the first Kohl without a Vav, that is the voice which is not audible, whereas the second uh, Kohl with a Vav is audible. The explanation is, let's first think, what does the name Yaakov signify? So Yaakov is made up of two parts, the first letter, Yud, and then the second part of the word, Akev, heel. Yud represents the highest spiritual heights. Akev, the heel, represents the lowest and the most physical. And the idea of Yaakov is to take from and continue from the highest spiritual heights all the way down to the heel, from the highest level to the lowest level. And uh, like we see that uh, that uh, the, the sukkim that talk talk about uh, the the footstool, for example, where it says we said this is in the haftarah of Bereshis for Aretz Hadom Raglay that the earth is Hashem's footstool, and other such sukkim. So that to take spirituality and and bring it all the way down. And that's the idea of Yaakov. Now, the voice which was heard, which was audible, that is Torah. And Torah brings from the depth and brings it all the way. In other words, brings the ideas which are ultimately godly ideas and brings them all the way down into our physical world. And uh, the, in terms of spheres, this refers to from Chachma, which is the highest sphere all the way down to the physical, to the to to Asiya, where we're we're talking about actual agriculture and actual business and an actual calendar that we're we're taking from uh, from the yud from the highest level and bringing it all the way to Akave, the heel, the lowest level, and that's the meaning of the name Yaakov. But in order to be the right vessel. To achieve this, to take the, when we learn Torah, we're taking ideas which are ultimately godly and divine ideas and bring them into this physical world. We have to have the first sound. Before the sound of Torah is the sound which is not audible, and that is the humility and the bitter, the self nullification to let Hashem shine through us. And this is the idea of istabkus rucha berucha that um, we and uh, we cleave to Hashem. Our spirit cleaves to Hashem's spirit that we just let Hashem be manifest within us. And like, like it says, that the Pasuk says that the problem was the, the, the Jews um, uh, say that because Hashem was not within me, that's why I have these troubles. So what is this uh, idea of Hashem being within me? That's the idea of bittal to not self-nullification, to that uh, 
not trying the person is not trying to uh you know separate and 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 uh, uh fulfill his own uh ego but just to be a vessel to let Hashem shine through and that's why it says the pasuk says that about Terah that be melachim yimleichu that through me kings will be king, meaning that Hashem is the real king. But when someone is totally nullified to Hashem, so they also are a king, not because of their own self uh, importance, but because they are now revealing and manifesting, letting Hashem's light shine through them. And that's why the Gemara says man malki rabbanon that who are the true kings Rabban on the rabbis because they let Hashem's Torah shine through them. And uh, this, uh, this, uh, this allows uh, Hashem to shine to uh, Hashem's uh, will to shine through. Uh, there are certain things that Hashem wants and that's all the positive halachas and other things that Hashem doesn't want. And in order to let this Torah shine through the person, he has to, be in a state of bitter and self-nullification. Next paragraph, Vazel Vayeshev. So now we can go back and understand the original Pasuk. So it starts off Vayeshev Yaakov, that Yaakov lived in the land of the dwelling of his fathers. Vayeshev, to live, it also comes from the word to sit. When you stand, you're ascending. When you sit, you're descending. So the idea of Vayeshev Yaakov is that Yaakov descended to bring down Hashem's light into the physical space. And Megure Aviv can have different meanings. We translate it simply as Yaakov lived in the same place where his father dwelt. But Megure Alpichasidus uh, refers to Yira, Yira Shemayim. And that's for two reasons. One is that Megure can mean uh, reverence or fear. Number two, Meguri means when you collect something, when you collect something for a storage. For example, Megura, Malaya Paris, when you collect fruit into a, uh, into a, into a pile, into a, a, into a, a storage in Megura. And that is all connected to Yerushalayim because Yerushalayim is, is uh, referred to in many places of Chazal as Oitzer, as this treasury, this storage of uh, Yerushalayim, of the reverence of Hashem that we can come on to, uh, to uh, that keeps us strong when needed. Now, uh, this, uh, this uh, Yerushalayim, this reverence, is, is very much the same idea as Bittal of this uh, self-nullification to allow Hashem's light to shine through. And that's how we have Yaakov, that the highest level of godliness, Yud, coming all the way down to Akev, all the way down to the, the hill. And, and uh, specifically, it mentions Mukuri Aviv, the Yira, uh, the reverence of Hashem, the, and the Bittal from Aviv, his father. Now, what in Spheris, in the 10 Kabbalistic uh, attributes, uh, the first one, Chachma, is referred to as the father. Bina is referred to as the mother. And then uh, the six, uh, Midata, are referred to as the son. And Malchus is referred to as the daughter. So the father is Chachma. And Chachma is when we're in this state of nullification and we let the inner soul and the subconscious express itself. 
binas when you're actively developing that. But Chachma is letting the inner um, talk, and it's a state of bittel. And uh, when we're in that state, so then we're able to have Yaakov, the highest light, coming all the way down. And this is the state that uh, we uh, aim for in Torah, that Torah, we're just letting Hashem talk through us. But then we have a lower state of oneness with Hashem, uh, which in uh, Kabbalah and Hasidus, the, the uh, highest state of oneness is called Yechuda Elah, the higher unity, and then the lower state is called Yechuda Tatah, the lower unity, meaning that when we're involved in mitzvahs, we're not directly thinking about understanding Hashem's will with terror, we're trying to understand Hashem's will. With mitzvahs, we're doing something in the physical world. We're shaking a lulav, we're putting up a mezuzah. This is all involved in something physical but we're doing that in accordance with the Hashem's will and there also Hashem's light can shine it's also revealing the oneness of Hashem so this is when we're in this state where we're actually more involved in the physical world that's a state of of Yaakov where Yaakov is descending is sitting in and is involved in the physical world over the page the second side of Chavzayin, and uh, the uh, key to this, the key to getting involved in the physical world, uh, is, is uh, we, like the Pasuk says, that um, that the king, through justice, uh, establishes the earth, and, um, and uh, he, he uh, establishes his throne through uh, kindness. And that's because the reason why we talk about kindness to do with uh, Melech, to do with the king, Melech, we said, is the Malchus royalty is the last of the ten Sefirot, and that's when we get involved in what is outside. So uh, Hashem's Malchus is where there becomes an other that exists. Our Malchus is when we talk to others or we act outside of our inner self and our inner life. And uh, the... Specifically, Torah is more within Hashem, so to speak. It's Hashem's thoughts and desires, and therefore it's Yichud Elah, whereas Mitzvah is Yichud Tatar, the lower union. And so the main Mitzvah is Chesed. When Yerushalmi talk, says Mitzvah without specifying which Mitzvah, it talks about, it, it is referring to Tzedakah. And therefore Tzedakah is where Melech, where Hashem is king, meaning where he gets involved in the other uh, besides uh, besides himself, and uh, and uh, therefore uh, therefore the pasuk refers to tzedakah together with malchus. Now we understand and can answer all our questions. We know that Kanani doesn't just refer to an, a nation, which is a, as a, in a derogatory term, but Kanani also ref, refers to the spiritual mission of the Jewish people to do business, to swap the uh, loss of Ava of Yira, of love and reverence uh, that they might have had more of in spiritual worlds and instead gain a deep yearning for Hashem that comes from being in the physical world. We understand that of Meguri Aviv. Meguri Aviv means the Yira, the reverence for Hashem that comes from Aviv Chachma, which is Bittel, uh, humility, that just, to just let Hashem shine through. 
we understand that Vayeshev means to descend. Yaakov is taking the heart, the yud, the highest levels, and pulling it down into Akev, into the most physical, into the heel. And we also understand that there are two lands and there are two approaches. You could, the neshama, the soul can just stay above and it would be beautiful in bliss with, and one with Hashem there. But through coming down to this world, it develops a deeper love and a deeper bond with Hashem. Something special about this maimer is that while in other sources, it may say that the neshama gains the neshama comes into this world in order to help the world or to help the body. But here we talk about how the neshama itself gains, the soul itself gains a deeper level of closeness with Hashem through uh, yearning for Hashem because it is in a state where godliness is unnatural. We'll now move on to the next maimer. So the Maimon quotes the Pasuk, that the, in the dream of Yosef, the brothers were all uh, collect, were all bun, making uh, bundles of wheat. Now, to understand this idea of bundling together wheat spiritually, first we have to understand the concept, the end of Parshas Vayishlach, it talks about the kings of Esau, the king. Edom, which is a continuation of Esau's family, had uh, kings and they uh, each one ruled and then died. And, and after the uh, eight kings of Edom, that's when the Jewish people had their first king, Shaul, followed by David, etc. So what does it mean spiritually? So Esau, although he went astray, although he was a negative force, but really he had deep spiritual powers. It just wasn't used right. And it, it represents the idea that Kabbalah and Hasidus speak about of Shvira Sakalim, where the, uh, the, the godly light is when it's uh, not channeled into proper receptacles, so it's, it becomes too much. And this is the state at the, the state of the of affairs with the the, the world of Tehor, the world of chaos, which comes before the world of Tikkun. The spiritual worlds we have beyond our physical universe are part of Tikkun, but but before that, there is Tehor. The uh, the idea of Tehor is yes, it's spiritual, but. Each light is too powerful for its own receptacle, so it can't be held, it can't be contained. And besides that, each light, each type of spiritual energy feels that it is the only one. It doesn't see its place within the mosaic, within everything coming around the one indivisible Hashem. And therefore, what happened was that these great spiritual powers were not able to be contained. And there was this big crack, the Shuris Akalium, and these sparks of spiritual powers uh, were scattered throughout the the, uh, physical world. And when we do a mitzvah, we refine one spark and bring that spark of godliness back to Hashem. This is one of the uh, main uh, ideas of the Arizal. So now the, uh, these, uh, the, the idea of these uh, sparks of godliness falling down because the, uh, the attributes, the spirit of Tayo were not able to be contained is represented by the kings of Ace of dying. 
Now, when these spiritual energies descended, it came in a few styles. There were souls that descended into the material. Uh, there were there are angels, and there is godly energies. But all of them, all three of them, are now stuck within the. Uh, the the lower worlds called Bria Yetzirah Nasiya Bia, uh, which refer to a place where the feel is that not that there's only Hashem and that's it. Like in Atzilus, the feel is only Hashem and that's it, and that's why angels only generally start from Bria, a place where there is at least a little bit, some degree of separation, and then in our world we have a, the greatest degree of separation. Um, and uh, to the extent of the the possibility of an atheist, someone who just declares complete separation from Hashem. So now, uh, so they the, so all these different spiritual energies descended down and scattered. And to give an example, the Alter says, let's say you have a word, and the word has a meaning. Let's say Baruch means bless. But if we take each letter and put it by itself, the letter base, the letter resh, etc., then the word has there's no word anymore. Each letter by itself that has no meaning, and and that's in a, in similar to all these spiritual lights that they're all spiritual and godly. But that is when they are around one core. But when each one separates away for itself, then then they're all working on. Uh, opposing and different causes, and then it, it, it's not holy anymore. Uh, an example is, let's say you have a lot of people all working on a uh, school, or a lot of people all working together, let's say in the Rebbe's mission or Shlichos and bringing the world to a, a state of uh, uh, ultimate goodness and perfection and Mashiach. As long as we all realize our part within that mission, so it's not that what the particular thing that I or you are doing, which is the whole goal, it's all important as part of the goal. So then we can all work together and then it all reflects the godly uh, mission. And in a similar way, let's say in a school or a company, if everyone understands how what they're doing is part of the school, part of the company, then great. But when each one is working just on their particular area to the exclusion of all others, then it becomes destructive and then they lose a sight of the real goal. So uh, that's what happened with the spheres of the spheres of Tao, that they're all just for themselves and therefore they scattered. Now Hashem is one. How do we get from one Hashem to multiplicity and creations? That uh, with each one being its own being with its own ego, and with the exact opposite of oneness, where there's only Hashem and that's it. Uh, so this is through Shirasakalim, through the breaking of the vessels, and that allowed for multiplicity and separation. Now, as the sparks of godliness descended away from Hashem, they also scattered into more separate pieces. And the less they descended away from Hashem, there weren't as many separate uh, pieces because when something is close to Hashem, it has more bitter, it has more uh, self-nullification, more humility, and therefore more achtos. It can come together as one. Whereas when it's more distant, then every little detail feels that it is the way to the exclusion of others and doesn't see itself within the greater picture and the greater good. 
we see this uh, with uh, Gan Eden, that originally you have the Garden of Eden, and then you have a river coming out, so it's starting to separate. It's not in the garden anymore. But the river is still one river. And then it separates into four separate rivers. So the one river uh, spiritually refers to Malchus of Atzillus, which is the idea of thinking about another. But it's still one. It's still in the world of Atzillus, where everything is uh, close and one with Hashem. But then it separates and becomes four, four rivers and that is in the world of Bria, where there, where other has been created. Although the river has the same amount of water when it's one and four, but now it suddenly it splits off into four separate parts. And that is the four expressions of godliness, that which are the four sides of the Merkava. There's the uh, in the holy chariot. There's the uh, lion, the ox, um, etc., and the the eagle. Um, and uh, each of these have, have their own way of serving Hashem and expressing their connection with Hashem. But each one feels that its way is, is important rather than the ultimate perspective, which is there's just one Hashem. And therefore they're separated into four separate uh, paths. But as the sparks of godliness descend lower and lower. They descend in, into many more separate parts, thousands of uh, uh, parts within Chesed, within Kindness, which is the camp of Michal. The Archangel Michal is the angel of Chesed. And then Gabriel, the Archangel of, uh, of Gavura, of severity and discipline. Also, many different parts. And then as it goes, moves on to the next world of Yitzira formations, and there's, there's more detail still. And then in Asiya, the world of action, there's even more detail and even more separate parts. But then we have the, um, we have, uh, the Malachim, the angels that have that are uh, already in the world of Tikkun, they've been uh, rectified and they know their place within the plan. And they, uh, about them, we say in Davening, in the first of the brachas before Shema in Yetzirah, we say, Hashem Mesharis of Kulam Omdim, that Hashem's servants all stand before Hashem, that they're all together and they all realize how they all fit into one mission and they're all part of one thing. Next paragraph, the Hine Kamei, the second, uh, the second column um, on side two. In other words, Amadalad of Chavzain. The Hine, the same way that uh, with angels, we, they divide into many different parts and then some of them ultimately refined. So the same thing with uh, souls, that as the souls uh, descend from level to level, they divide into many more souls. In the desert, we had the Jewish people divide into four general camps. There was Yehuda, Reuven, Don, Ephraim, and each one had their own style of serving Hashem. Then the Jewish people divide further into 600,000 separate styles. And uh, that's why there are 600,000 uh, uh, heads of family in the desert. 
And uh, then they then nowadays we have even far more yin than that. And that's uh, all, all we all have our little part, but we have to realize how we all fit into one whole. We're all part of this mosaic and this general uh, shlichus that we're all part of, of coming uh, oneness with Hashem. Now, this uh, idea of uh, division, separation, and scattering also exists with the uh, godly powers godly energies that they also scattered throughout the low worlds, throughout the worlds of BR, and the lower that they descended, the more they divided up into separate pieces. Now, right at the beginning of creation, the Pasuk says in Bracious, at the beginning, that that, uh, when Hashem created the heaven and earth, there was a spirit of Hashem hovering. Now, this word, is made of two words. The first and last letter, mem and sof, is mace, dead. And then the middle letters, resh, ches, and fe, are the numerical value of 288. So we've got rapach, mace. Um, that there's this death, this uh, separation from life, and 288. What does this mean? That when the, the uh, godliness of the world of tales separated, uh, away from obvious godliness, away from Hashem, it's it's separated into 288 separate sparks. But then as it descended from world to world, it separated into even more and more thousands and tens of thousands and, and uh, more sparks. And this also answers another question. If there are only 288 sparks that we have to refine in total in order to bring the world to its perfection, why does it take so long? Why is the exile, especially the exile after the second base of Mikdash, so long? So the answer is that it's been so long because the sparks separate in to many, many pieces. And even if someone refines a spark, he's not refining the whole spark. He's refining one little part of that spark. And, uh, and therefore, uh, therefore, with so many different sparks, all the Jewish people are, are doing their share. And, uh, and uh, ultimately, we'll refine all the sparks and then Mashiach uh, will uh, immediately be here, will come immediately. Next paragraph, the Hinek Siv. Well, as we started on the end of Chavav, we'll continue from the next Siv tomorrow.